Hi everyone, welcome to 21st Century Saints. We are a podcast and live stream series for members, those adjacent to, interested in or have a connection with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, here in the UK and around the world. Um, tonight I am really excited for this episode uh, where we're going to be talking about some issues that uh, are kind of close to the hearts of all of us. It's International Women's Day so we wanted to use this opportunity to talk about things that we don't normally get to talk about. Um, there are a lot of things that, that we've covered over the years in this podcast. Uh, I'm excited to go somewhere where we haven't been yet. So um, let me kick off by introducing, okay, so we have our co-host, 21st Century Saint, Sarah, do you want to say hey? Hi, everyone. Good to be and here again. We also have our other 21st Century Saint co-host, Laura, do you want to say? Uh, sorry, Laura Heath is another Heath and there are now just too many to control. Too many Heaths, there we go. Too, too many Heaths. <laughs> um, our Ruth Heath is, is here with us too, do you want to Hello. say hey? Hello. <laughs> um, and also we have our guest with us for the first time on the show. Now, this guest, I have spoken about this guest a lot when she has been unaware that I'm speaking about her because um, she did an incredible pre presentation at Sunstone last year um, at Sunstone UK and it was so good that it is the presentation that the rest of the Brit Avengers have spoken about most um, and there are so many times when we've said in chats um, yeah, that's, this is something that we need to talk to, to Debbie about. De Debbie Shrub will have the answer to this. Um, so I am really excited to be able to share with you her knowledge and wisdom tonight. Um, Debbie, do you want to say hi and maybe say a little bit about yourself and what your background is? Oh, hello. I'm very honoured to have been asked to join you ladies. Um, yep, my name's Debbie Shrub. i joined the church in the 70s when I was a teenager. I was the only member of my family at the time. Um, got the Mormon CV, been on a mission, married in the temple, children grown up in the church, not all still active. And I left in about 2016, um, having studied about the historical Jesus. I did it to try and get a better testimony of Jesus as the Christ, but ended up realizing that he was most probably a pious Jew, someone worth following, but not worth worshiping. Um, so my professional background was as a nurse. And in the last probably 10 years of my career, um, I, well, I was already interested in sex. I mean, I've got four children, come on. Um, that doesn't necessarily follow, does it? But hey, um, but I started realizing as a cancer nurse, the impact of cancer and its treatments on people's sexuality, on their body image, and just their ability to function as a sexual being. So I tried to become more informed about it and realized the most important thing for people was to be able to talk about it and to express their concerns. And, and so I tried to make it part of my practice to invite people to share concerns. The only problem with that is then they think you're gonna have a solution. So then I kind of became a little bit more informed about possible solutions um, 
or places they could get to go to find solutions to to their really, really most intimate concerns. And uh, so that's how I've ended up talking about it with, on um, priest, excuse me, priesthood dispatches. And I'm really quite comfortable talking about sex with most people. So there you go. Uh, since you just mentioned them and I've just popped in the chat because this means a lot to all of us, we want to just say Free PD, um, whose channel is uh, temporarily uh, demonetised. Um, uh, you know what, we, we need him back in the affiliates programme. YouTube, sort it out. So we, yeah, he should be back to normal again in the next few weeks. But yeah, we've absolutely Free PD. Um, so... Where do I want to start tonight? Oh, first of all, uh, do we have any announcements? Is there anything that we need to cover before we begin? Apart from thank you so much donors, you, you, are, you have been amazing and we just appreciate you so much. Um, anything that we, we need to say, Sarah? We have, we have this week, we had our conference. conference. I think we did it. We did our conference yesterday, where we were invited to be part of a national conference discussing abuse. So we were able to do a presentation talking about abuse and the problems that we are seeing within the church around a complete lack of safeguarding and failures and the harm that is causing. That link is out there on internet. So look on Twenty First Century Sense. You see the link. Our presentation is in session four of the conference. If anybody wants to go and have a look at it and see what we what we had to say about what we think the church is doing and what we think the church should be doing we said a lot yeah so hopefully we we'll be able to broadcast that so that you could all have a look but it, it is online if you want to access it um through the Hugh james website um so yeah it, it went really really well we've had some lovely feedback and um yeah we we had fun um someone's asking what what was what did pd get busted for um we think copyright issues but I don't know, maybe someone just doesn't like a sense of humour. So that's, yeah, we, we're going to go with copyright issues. Um, and uh, Mary Curry, you're also asking yeah. about Thrive Scotland. Um, so Thrive um, is something that as soon as it's happening here in Scotland, we will absolutely be shouting from the rooftops about. We are hoping to organise uh, Thrive Scotland. Um, Nemo is um, helping out with a lot of Thrive things across Europe. So he'll be... Um, he'll be able to tell everyone when that's happening. So as soon as we have something to announce, we'll we'll let you know. But um, there is a there is a Thrive UK page where any events that are happening in the UK for Thrive will, will be posted there. So just keep an eye on that on social media. But we will we will let you know. At the moment, there there isn't a date, but we hope that there, that there will be one very soon. Um, okay, uh, I think I think that's all our announcements. Um, yeah, so happy International Women's Day. I, I want to kick off with a question um, specifically about older women. Um, I, I've had some experiences this, <laughs> this past couple of weeks that just fascinated me. Um, so I have started going to a burlesque chair dance class and it is the best thing I have ever done ever um I have all of these issues with my knees mobility and my back and I'm like I'm never going to be able to do this I am also severely restricted in being able to get out the get just get outside um 
because of my son's needs. And a class has opened up in our local Catholic church hall, which is just super cool, um, with a small group of, um, of women. And it is so empowering. And, you know, I thought if I, if I can just go and it would be nice to get out for a little bit, in the space of four weeks, my knees are stronger, my back is stronger. I, there are things I can do on a chair, people. Let me tell you, it is, you would not believe. <laughs> I'm really excited. I, I think that dovetails really well with Thrive Scotland. I can see the two things coming together. That's fine. <laughs> you all have to experience that. And uh, I, I, I'm like an overexcited puppy dog in class I just sit there smiling because I'm like I know my body can't do this right now but it's gonna at some point it's gonna follow and then it does <laughs> and you get this round of applause from everyone because you did this simple thing and so yeah I am then surrounded by the kind of women who would go to dance classes but also women who are um in their 60s um women who have never done anything like this before like like me um I'm I'm the Mormon girl and we're doing all of these all of these moves it's all about body confidence and my favorite thing is that the very first thing that happened in this class was we were told to stand on a chair and have our hand in the air we're getting ready to click um and if we stand on the chair, if we have our right knee bent and our right foot slightly arched, um, we will not fall. You're not going, if you stand this way, you're not going to fall. I know you're all worried about falling, but you're not going to if you stand like this. And I was thinking about how secure I felt in that moment, surrounded by this group of women who it was all of our first time. And as a child, you're told, get down, you're going to hurt yourself. This is dangerous. You're not supposed to be standing on chairs. This is not ladylike behaviour. Um, to even if right now I needed to change the batteries and the smoke alarm and I stand on a chair to do that, my husband, my kids would come in and say, get down, you're going to fall. You should, one of us will do it, mm. um, you know, because the point is you're going to fall. Or it might be laughter or or shame or you're standing on a chair what's you know a, a giggle it's not necessarily to mock you but that's that's what you do because you're doing something a bit different and to hear that message stand on a chair this is how you safely do it and you will not fall was one of the best experiences I had mm. had now we're going from there just to really turn everyone's hair a shade of tartan we've been offered the chance apparently um we're going to get to do a striptease class and i'm like sign me up i am loving this 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 <laughs> confidence they are going to be tassels and they are going to be swinging in who knows how many different directions and i am there for it and so part of this it is going to be a boudoir shoot and this is what led directly to me wanting to talk about these things tonight because the older women in the class who had who were doing these incredible um things on their chair they were their bodies were going into these brilliant really exciting and beautiful positions um are suddenly talking about their bodies in 
a different kind of way. Well, no, I couldn't do that because, you know, I'm I'm really saggy. It'll be, you know, this won't look nice. And we have an instructor who's telling them, no, well, what we do is we teach you how to pose in a way that you feel really confident and it sort of raises everything up and you'll feel really good. And don't worry, because that's part of what the class is. But we jump so quickly to finding finding something wrong or distasteful, embarrassing, mocking, shameful about a woman's aging body. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk about women. I wanted to talk specifically about older women tonight. Um, I, I've talked for a little bit, so I'm going to just shout over to you guys and maybe we could just like do a hand raise. Um, talk to me a little bit about older women. I want to ask about older women in the church, but... Um, older women in society what what how visible are women Mm. I I was gonna say yeah I think I think this is in part a societal thing I mean it is a societal thing but I think what we see in the church are added kind of I don't even want to call them nuances but shades to that um you know the idea of older women as sexual beings the idea of a woman, a 60-year-old woman or 70-year-old or 80-year-old masturbating or having sex or looking at pornography. I mean, I think we don't think about those things. We think about, um, we think about the church talks about, church leaders talk about visiting widows. And, you know, the implication is that they're older people who are somewhat helpless um so i i think there are some really poor images generally about older women's power and that's even before you start thinking about how non-perfect bodies as seen by society will inevitably include older women's bodies and that Mm. causes lots of problems Sorry, Ruth, you were going to say something. I was going to say that, you know, in society, in literature, in our fairy tales, in our folklore, the older woman is the hag. She's the witch. She's the wise woman Mm. to be feared. She's she's uncontrolled by the male society Mm. and therefore she's a danger to society. And I think we see that ripple through church as well, um, because suddenly we're not chasing marriage. We're not we're not worried about procreation and and defining our worth by having children because we've probably got children um and suddenly it's it's we're a little bit dangerous we're a little bit of a a unknown quantity but i do think um women of all ages through the church i certainly felt this when i was in uh, you know relief society president i would sit through relief society classes and just hear women echoing each other saying that you know just just kind of saying how they don't enjoy sex and they don't enjoy that you know oh god you know who'd want to do that sort of thing and they've they've got they've obviously got a sex life because they've got a ton of children but but it feels like the trope is to say that they don't enjoy sex and they're not actually a sexually a sexual being they're they're putting up with it when in reality, hopefully, most women are sexual beings and are interested, but I feel like it's dampened down within church because you're either the virgin or you're the mother. You're, you can't, 
you can't actually just be someone who's like, I really enjoy having sex and I love this person. I'm, mm. you know, I want to have sex with them. Mm. You, that's not allowed. You've got to be almost, oh, no, 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 but we'll have children. And, and then, oh, no, no, no. It, it's that trope. So then when when you get older and it's not about children, you, you do see some unhappy relationships. And I wonder if it's because that sort of, there is no reason to have sex anymore because we're not going to have any more kids. So, you know, back off. I don't know. Of course, it's a lot of unhappiness. I think you can get out of that. Sorry, yeah. don't want to hog. No, please. Hog You're here. Yeah. <laughs> hog away. Um, yeah. I think one... Uh, I can recall when our I worked, I was a working mum. And you're, so you're getting up in the morning, you're getting helping get people ready for school, thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. My husband is, we, we were a team, so it wasn't my your job and my job. We They were jobs that needed to be done. Um, but nevertheless, by the time you got home, you were really tired. And then he goes out to a church meeting, or you do, and then you come home again and men are more spontaneous about sex i think biologically they're more red they don't need the kind of contextual cues that women may may do um and i think that's borne out by research as well that's not just my opinion mm. um but um i think that means that you know your husband going home teaching or ministering is not foreplay is it you know it it's not going to do it for you <laughs> or you know being woken up when he comes back from a meeting does not count as foreplay and so i think it's very easy to get into this habit of duty sex where you, you someone was telling me that they had a stake meeting where there have been some divorces in their stake and they were told in the stake meeting it's because the women weren't keeping the men happy you know, that was actually said by a state. Oh, the irony. Boundaries. We're going to hold oh, a yeah. thing to tell you <laughs> that you need to have more sex. It's yeah. more sex if you weren't at the bloody meeting, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think, I, I think, I, I think, and then that's what you're talking about, Ruth, where you get to be a, over the years, it that kind of mood that's been set that you have to have sex even though you don't feel like it when you really don't feel like sex because maybe your hormones are changing and your body's changing i think i think it can be very easy to for that to become a barrier if that does that make sense yeah and i think that men as well are having those same messages replayed that women don't want sex and then I think that becomes very difficult mm. for men as well in the church to actually mm. to understand how to to have a loving um, sort of physical relationship with with their spouse because they they're not quite sure what what how to be you know um, how to go about having a, a good relationship. But I also think that if we keep telling young girls you're a sexual object, you're a sexual object. Your job is to fight off, you know, the young men and your job is to preserve their uh, sort of virtue as well as your own. It, you can understand why women are scared around the whole subject and why they don't want to be seen to be sexually um, sort of interested because you, you feel like the odd one out if you say, well, actually, I 
you know, we're having a great time and I quite enjoy it. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. they're the odd women that actually stand up and, and vocalise that. It's much mm -hmm. more that the ones that say, oh, yeah, roll your eyes. Who'd have that? You know, who'd want to do that? Yeah. Well, so, I think the problem starts. The problem starts long, long before that, when we don't teach our youth and our children that sex is something to look forward to and to enjoy and that there's pleasure attached to sex. And that goes right back to lessons that we teach our youth about masturbation. Don't do it. Don't explore your body. Don't feel those pleasures. Don't understand your own body and what you like and what you don't like. Don't dress in a way that might give anybody the wrong message but it goes right back to the messages that we're giving mm. our children or our youth about mm. their bodies mm. and masturbation mm. and sexual pleasure and then all of a sudden mm. we want them to get married be sexually active with their spouse and feel good about it and actually that's really difficult when they've mm. had a lifetime of being shame if they touch their own bodies mm. in a way that brings pleasure mm. and it's and gets very just Mm. Well, get, just get, be pleased to pause there. Like mm. we're talking about, sorry, no, on you go. We're talking about um, young girls who, you know, women, married mm. women. But actually, I, I think probably other other Christian religions are the same. Maybe other non-Christian religions. But what we're forgetting here is the women who never get married. Mm. And how exclusionary mm. Mormon doctrine is for them. I mean, Massive. I should. So, you know, so they're, oh my goodness, I don't even know where to start with this. Yeah. Um, we're actually assuming, yeah, you know, with some women, for example, if you're thinking about someone like Sherry Jew, who has spent her whole life as a single woman in the church. And, you know, no one's telling me that she doesn't have the normal sexual urges that, or have sexual urges that are individual to herself. I, I want to back away from the normal sexual urges. And I also want to say hats off to Maven, who's talked quite openly about her asexuality. Mm. And that is a thing, mm. but you know, mm women must masturbate too and women shouldn't feel emba feel embarrassed or ashamed that they want to touch their body that's absolutely okay um and i it is oh my goodness i don't even know where to start with that. yeah well female masturbation is even more taboo in the church than boys masturbating and male masturbation isn't it because they're teach boys and men not to masturbate that it's wrong it's sinful it's shameful they don't even mention it it's never ever mentioned to young women or women in the church because it's just so assumed that that would never be anything a nice mormon girl or woman would even consider and mormon women the idea that a woman who's lived her whole life as as an active member of the church who has never i will have had those urges but those urges are not hers to have there are just that you have to control that because our sexuality is not for us it's not it's to be given to our husbands mm -hmm. it's um protected by our fathers it's protected by by men in society it will never be mm -hmm. only for us and i think that you know whenever we're sort of thinking about um bodies are are 
held to be so sacred in our church and yet there is so much shame attached to them mm. um specifically yeah. more more so what you know men's bodies are for mocking and laughing at women's bodies are just we, we just don't talk about it having a a, a, a divine feminine in our church having no room to talk about body positivity and and what your body is capable of to to have all of those possibilities that are never really explored in church and i'm not saying church is necessarily the right place to to maybe talk about you know particular things but there is no possibility of having those types of conversations at all so what we're left with is feeling like if we have any sexual urges or desires that are out with marriage then it is sinful and that is in that is that is the beginning middle and end and then we put into that equation temple garments that you're wearing something that is a permanent reminder that you're never supposed so even to to remove for the act of sex is it's it's not natural it's not it's designed to cause a you know you know cause a, a barrier and what would otherwise be something that would happen quite naturally mm. and i've heard yeah. all sorts of um, like old wives tales around um temple garments as well that that we certainly didn't do but you hear the stories about people saying well you've got to put them under your pillow and keep one hand on them <laughs> during the process as soon as the axe is finished you get those garments back on again and i think all of that especially for women that's that's going through your head isn't it you're like oh you know mm. you've got to it's a break up. isn't it yeah you've got to turn yeah. up to have i did i did i let the cat out is the washing machine on i can't remember whether i turned the fridge up mm. you know you, you're yeah. doing all those things in your head and you've got to go quiet that noise let's enjoy mm. the moment but if mm. you've got that that garment narrative as well going on about uh, you know we're, we're watching the clock we need to get those garments back on again otherwise mm -hmm. if a lightning bolt mm -hmm. hits we're a goner um it's it's just it's just extra thing i was thinking back when you were talking about the um the the burlesque dancing jane when i was a kid all the way through my teenage years i was very much into swimming i would swim four or five nights a week and I was in a swimming club we, we you know we would do miles every night but um i never felt that my body was in any way anything other than strong and fast mm. and do you know what i mean those it was never it was never sexual it was always it was a it was a um it was a powerful tool that i could utilize to do this thing that i love doing um and the first time that I remember feeling sexualized was at a steak swimming gala, still a non-member at this point. And um, the swimming club that I was in had got two pieces, like a tankini um, set that I was wearing to, to, to do the swimming gala. And an old man who I didn't know came swooping over and said, put a t-shirt on, cover yourself up. And I just felt mortified I was probably 13 and I just felt like oh gosh you know someone's noticed I've got mm. little boobs and and just feeling mortified um mm. but up until that point just saw myself as I'm mm. faster than the boys and I can swim this and I can do that and I can 
you know, do a tumble turn and all those things that you, you're pushing yourself to do. Never saw my, my body as something to be leered at by men until that point. Mm-hmm. And it was at a church event. Mm-hmm. Debbie, yeah. you're going to... Yeah, I just wanted to pick up on what you were saying, Jane, about garments. Um, Natasha Helfer um, drew attention to some research that said that looking at yourself naked is and this goes to your um I think wow I don't think I'd I'd be brave enough to do take my clothes off in front of everyone I'm pretty bold but I don't know that I would I would I wouldn't I don't know research, (laughs) research actually suggests that when we see ourselves naked we you know stand in front of the mirror and look at ourselves we start to develop a better body image mm. um and if you're wearing garments all the time you can actually never see yourself can you i mean mm. you're especially if you have a really busy day you know you get up in the morning get your clothes on quickly do all the things you have to you know so you that that's actually a barrier to seeing yourself but then um one of a book i'm loving um Emily Nagoski, um, what's it called? Come, come as you are, and she, um, she's a sex educator, and she talks about um, accelerators and breaks in sexual relationships. And I think Natasha Helfer talks about in one of her Sunstone presentations. She talks about this research that says that there are things that make you feel desire. And then there are breaks to that desire. And what Ruth has just described are, you know, so you might really think, you know, I fancied my husband and I still fancy my husband, not in the same way as I did when I was in my 20s. It is true. (laughs) Um, We're in a different way. Um, But if you're thinking about having to get your garments back on all the time or people that didn't feel like they should take them off at all. Um, that's a real break to desire, isn't it? I mean, come on. And beside the fact they are so ugly, aren't they? They are probably the ugliest. Even a nun's habit is probably sexier than <laughs> temple garments. You know, the, the recent movie, I, I think it's possibly on Amazon at the moment, but um. Emma Thompson stars in Goodbye to You, Leo. I think it's Leo Grand. Oh, yes. It's a wonderful film about a woman claiming her sexuality and she's figuring out these things as she goes and you can see these moments where she's she's sort of having that 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 break. Um, but a lot of it is exists as, as in our heads, it exists as breaks mentally that we just immediately, you know, that's it. We, we're closing down the idea of intimacy. Um, as an actress, she was talking about how she had never looked at her naked body in front of a mirror and not, not doing the thing where you hold your stomach in a little bit tighter or just stand a little bit, but just as you are, not adjusting anything, just seeing yourself as you are. And so there's this moment in the film where she does exactly that and it is so powerful um, where she just is and accepts and is is happy Mm. with it and you know this this is who i am we Mm. we don't get the chance to do that because even to be unclothed it's it's just it's it's not what we're taught to do we're 
those barriers those breaks happen constantly mm -hmm. and so it's i'm a thinking we need a life yeah well i what i was thinking about was as i i don't know how how men experience this at different stages of their lives but i i my belief is that women see, would ha, would have this sort of more often that as you're going through those stages of development through from childhood to adulthood and beyond that we are getting to know our own bodies and what they can do and how they move in space going through clumsy phases in childhood and things like that as we figure out what we look like how we are different to each other how we're the same as each other i'm too tall for my peer group i'm too you know i am curvy um before everyone else um all of those things where we have to relearn what it feels like just to be in our own skin um when oh we've lost jane We need a life drawing class. Oh, we do apologise. Mm. We're right back. Well, we're getting to but we're all back for the, for the show. Um, okay. I would think before we carry on, um, sorry, fine girl in the comments has made a really brave comment um, about being fifty and single, and glad that she was sexually active in her thirties because and I, that is such mm. a brave comment yeah. to make yeah. publicly and actually yeah it is. we need more people to say i've to, to be talking about this and not talking about it to the bishop you know mm. if you want to masturbate or if you've had a sexual experience that is your private business and actually, I think lying to the bishop is an absolutely okay thing to do when it's about your personal body management and function. That is not the bishop's business. It's if you feel that there's a, if you want to talk to God, if you believe in God, go ahead. But we shouldn't be talking. It makes us very, very vulnerable, as we know, when we start talking as women about our our bodily needs and things that might be perceived as sin by other people to men mm. it, it's dangerous no need to tell them lie i would i i have no i think we should be lying to people if if it's if it protects our boundaries and stops further questions say what you have to to get through the interview um but don't tell people this stuff unless yeah. you want to. I, I feel like for me it's a boundary. I'm just not prepared to discuss my sexuality or even yeah, the of the, the temple garment. Um yeah. but I also know that drawing that boundary isn't something that many people feel that they can many women feel that they can do in the church. So yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. Um what happens then when we're getting our head around what our sexuality looks like, which tends to happen, you know, when when we are younger at those stages of development. When um, when it comes to perimenopause and menopause, you're just not supposed to have sexuality anymore. You're just not supposed to even be visible <laughs> anymore, really. 
Um, the idea that, that someone would have needs, it, it's just not really talked about, it's, especially in church where it's not talked about anyway, but you're supposed to be now on a pedestal where you've done your job, hopefully, as you, you've been married, you've had these children, you can celebrate um, having raised bishops and state presidents and all of these things. That's your contribution, you're done. Are women in leadership positions in, in church? Talk to me a little bit about leadership in the church and women and how older women... Let, let me go back a little bit to sort of give, give a little bit of context to what I'm thinking about. Um, a wonderful woman in my ward who has for many, many years spent her whole life serving and advocating for greater visibility of people who have been in the church, men and women, who are now in care facilities and being looked after. They don't get to come to church. Um, they possibly may have had what would have been home teachers at the time. Um, we don't really know because they're not really visible enough. They're certainly not part of a ward. And this was something that she felt so strongly about that now that she's in that stage, um, she can sort of, you know, it's got to be a fear for everyone. Am I going to be invisible at, at church? Am I aging out of this process? So the women who are still there are... I want to ask, are they visible? Do we see them? Are they would we would give older women the same leadership opportunities as we would give to their younger counterparts? And if so, what's that like? Just what what are we seeing? Hmm. I think we're seeing an older an aging population in the church to start with. So we have got more older members in the church. And from what I see, those older people are not holding the same callings that they've held throughout their entire life. You know, they'd be the, the people that have held the church together in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and now they're like, they're not. They've been Relief Society president, primary president. They've done all those callings over and over and over again, often several callings at a time. And they get into their 80s, and it's kind of like, Everybody almost thinks they're doing them a huge favour by giving them a rest. Are they? You need to get what wanted. Well, I it's not necessarily what I was wanted, but I think those are the conversations you hear. Oh, mm -hmm. it's not fair to ask this though. She's too old. She's done her time. Let her have a rest. Mm -hmm. And I've heard those conversations. And I think there's a real problem with when we're looking at older women and thinking they're past their sell by date. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of that is goes back to the fact that women are past their sell-by date when they get yeah we've got a little bit of yeah i think you're absolutely right sarah i think it's that feeling of um people um feeling like they're doing a kindness by by letting them slowly fade away when actually what needs to be done is we need to uh, perhaps think about adapting the programs to meet the needs of the people rather than trying to make the people fit the need, fit the needs of the programs that's that's where we get it wrong because if you've got a award that is predominantly older um women um then we need to change the program so that it meets their needs. We don't need to call them all to, you know, do a particular calling that's that's actually not their needs. We need to 
put them all together and let them let them be a powerhouse together or let them do nothing if that's what they want to do let them go to the seaside on a Sunday if that's what they want to do you know I think it's mm. it's this prescriptive top-down hate to say it but patriarchal male viewpoint of what women want what women need that is hugely damaging and I've lost all tolerance for it as you might be able to tell but I've lost all tolerance for it because I I just see how it's it's counterproductive for both men and women you know the the patriarchal um approach to things doesn't help the women doesn't make them feel valued or or use them in the right possible right ways use play to their strengths and the men feel like well you know we we think we're doing it the right way but we're just getting moaned at the whole time because they're not actually listening to what needs are but you know for me I I just think actually in some ways getting older is a superpower getting older it, it allows you you've got you've got the wisdom you've got the stripes you've got the experiences that you can pass on and it's actually nice not to be worried too too much about what you look like and what wobbles and and because who cares who cares you know if I'm going swimming on in the sea I don't care that my bum wobbles as I you know run down the beach who cares and and we go out to see um our eldest in Denmark quite a lot and they have a real culture of everybody goes cold water swimming and then into the sun and then back again but the everybody showers naked over there um, and that's just very normal. So in the changing rooms, you are seeing body shapes of all ages, lumps, lumps, wobbly bits, and nobody bats an eye. And it's it's really fantastic. And it reminds me of you know being a lot younger and being uh, in club swimming when we just got on with it mm. and it's just communal changing rooms. And I think there's a, mm. there's a lot to be said for for being able to view bodies in a non-sexual environment. Mm. It mm. just normalized yeah can i just say i think this thing sorry sorry i'm sorry yeah just gonna say being in a harry kind of got to that bit where i'm kind of in my 60s in my mid to late 60s the things that no longer bother me that would have bothered me as a young woman is fantastically freeing yeah and I do all kinds of things that I want to do that people will think. And the one thing that I love doing is I love camping and I do a lot of camping and I go camping on my own. And there's nothing I enjoy more than disappearing off with my tent, chucking it up somewhere and having a week to myself in a tent on my own. I, that is my ultimate. It is my ultimate joy. I love it. And I have so many people that seem to think I'm too old to do that and that seem to think I shouldn't be going and doing it on my own. And it's really interesting the number of people that wouldn't be saying to a man in his 60s, you shouldn't be going camping on your own, but they say it to me. And they certainly Mm. wouldn't be questioning why I choose to do that. Mm. But it's an expectation that society has that somehow as a woman who's kind of 65, 66 almost, what do you go camping on your own for? It's like it's not natural. It's not normal. Mm. Because we have these expectations of what older women do. And older mm. women in their 60s don't choose to take a two-man tent and sleep on a roll-up mat on the floor in a field mm. and have a wonderful time. Because that's not what older women do. And I get Debbie. that a lot. Yeah. Debbie, what are you thinking? 
Um, I, th I think that I think older men are invisible in church to some degree as well. Mm. And I, I and some of it or they are overlooked. And I think some of it um, is not all people. Old people like to get their old own way. I mean, I'm nearly 65, so I think I can I can I like to get my own way. <laughs> but I think it can be a barrier to participating in a group, a mix in any group with other older people. If you're not looking, if you're not listening, paying attention. I don't know. I think sometimes this kind of overlooking older people is because they can be quite challenging to have on a high council or um, or my husband plays bowls in the bowling club committee. You, people get like to do things this particular way. And it's it may be harder sometimes to be flexible. And what you're, you've role modeled, Sarah, is this ability to um, to not be that person, to not to not get stuck in a rut. Um, so I, I don't think this is necessarily something to do with women and invisibility. I think it's something to do with age and invisibility to some extent. Only women in the church don't have the priesthood, which is, you know, makes you even more invisible, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know that it's just women that experience that in church, but maybe we experience it more so. I completely get what you're saying about um, women, older women don't camp by themselves. And this kind of goes along with what Ruth was saying earlier about body positivity. I have a new forest pony and actually I haven't ridden much lately because we've had lots going on at home, but... The amount the women I wrote was riding with were all the average age was probably 68 to 70. And uh, they were all epic. They were amazing. And that is something people don't expect women in their 60s and 70s to be doing. One of my friends still jumps her horse and she's in her 70s now. I'm not that brave. Um, but I think the, this, these kind of these ideas of what you should and shouldn't be do, doing are very limiting. Yes. Um, There's a rule book that, that we can, we just need to let go of and, and, and not have a rule book, just create mm. our own way of self self assessing and say, do I feel healthy enough and strong enough and safe enough to do this thing that I want to do? Yeah. Mm. Crack on. Because mm. if we let our, 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 experiences be determined by what was done 20 years ago or 40 years ago or mm. 60 years ago and those mm. generations it, it's so limiting isn't it that we, mm. we've got to we can yeah. do I, I think leaving the church can help you to kind of rejig what your um image of yourself is going to be and fine girls made another great comment about mm. walking away from the church i mean walk away from the church gives you an opportunity to redefine yourself completely um mm. and i would agree that i mm. felt like i feel like i feel like i've been reborn actually i don't know what you feel ruth because you've stepped yeah. away completely. yeah i think that's a really good way of, of thinking about it and i think in some ways you've faced the biggest decision probably from a um sort of eternal perspective of 
what do I think the future holds? And if you can face that and make a big decision about something like that, you can certainly cope with some of the smaller what ifs and, and you face the, the fear of being rejected by friends and family and all of those things. And you you tip, weigh that in the balance to say, and I'm going to do it anyway, because that's, that's what I believe is the right thing to do. So then making a decision about whether or not to stand on a chair in the village hall or, or whether or not to risk being seen in your bikini on the beach becomes almost trivial because we've been brave mm. we know we can be brave we've mm. modeled what that looks like mm. and then we can take that through into our future mm. and that's that's so mm. powerful as women particularly mm. to to know that about ourselves that we can go okay i know that i can do this in the same way i think a little bit i remember feeling that when i first had had my uh, my eldest my first child and just thinking oh my goodness i can cope with a lot i you know physically yes that's massive when you first have a baby and it's I think in the same way you go through any big life stage you go you know that was awful but what do I take away I take away that I can be courageous and brave and um, I, you know can be a warrior about mm. certain things and be scared you know feel mm. the fear and do it anyway I think is the phrase isn't it mm. Now that's the yeah. attitude that I kind of want to dig a little bit into that I find really exciting because earlier, Ruth, whenever you, you were talking about, um, you know, how, how we perceive ourselves and what we're super aware of. And at one point when we're sort of saying who cares, well, as a Latter-day Saint woman, you won't the same who cares, my ward community cares, my you know family would care, this would be we are conscious and embarrassed um when you hear women who are older who have no i no desire to step back into the idealized body type and mind type service in the church so a, a woman you're, you're going to be of childbearing years you're going to probably have children not necessarily but you're certainly going to fit a demographic um once you would never go back to that once you've got away from that stage right and that's pretty much universally agreed no one wants to go back to their 30s but once you're out of that stage where you realize that actually i don't have to care about this you realize how much power is in the act of mm. this is not right for me or i can be learning how to be assertive, learning about how you feel within your own body, claiming your own power, that's the terrifying thing. I don't mm. think we get to see, there is no women's counterpart of a state patriarch. Men can grow grey-haired and still sort of be, we, we would still visibly see them on the sands, whereas we don't really see that for women, which is why I think then we, we bring up Wendy Nelson and Jerry Blue, who did not do that, who, as they've grown older, have become more powerful and have carved out mm -hmm. these. Now, just to sort of make it clear, I, I, I don't like them. I don't like what the things that they've said. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's not. Um, I'm always super aware when I, I, when I'm talking about a woman I don't like. Is it? Some kind of internalized misogyny am i hearing the power and sort of thinking how dear she um i would love to have um women who are carving out those spaces who are saying things that we need to hear 
So, for example, remember a few years back when there was a Relief Society special meeting and those women used their power not only to reshape what global service in the church looked like, but they were amplifying the voices of queer women on stage. Now, that was exciting to me. And yet most members of the church wouldn't know what their names were. Um, talk to me a little bit about women in church leadership and the Sherry Jews, the, the Wendy's, the Relief Society presidency, even perhaps if we go back to the Eliza Snows, where do we find powerful women in the church and what do we do about them? What do we do with them? I think for me, so Eliza Snow is an interesting one because I remember, um, you know, in my 20s, coming across several hymns that Eliza Snow had written and really think, trying to find out a little bit about her and just thinking she seems like a really interesting character, single woman, I wonder what she was, but she obviously had a position of power. And then finding out years and years later, no polygamous wife of Joseph Smith. Um, and a really unhappy life, actually. You know, she lost the baby, allegedly because Emma pushed her down the stairs, that sort of storyline going on. And you realise that the even, even way back in the roots of Mormonism, um, that women were subjugated by the system that they were part of. And although she has some soft power and her, her name is still on our lips today because she did have some accomplishments, the narrative of who she is and what she offered um, and is always in adjunct to the men. The hymn book mm. is there so that we can sing praise to the men. The, mm. the stories around her are her in association with Joseph Smith. And I, I just find that so sad because I bet she was a really interesting woman. And I bet there was a lot more about her than who she was in relation to Joseph Smith. Mm. Mm. Please. I, have a, I have problems with Eliza Snow, actually. Because, you yeah. know, this is some... <laughs> Eliza Snow married, was best friends with Emma and she married Emma's husband without mm. Emma knowing. And how many times do women stand on the heads of other women? Now, Eliza Snow, I'm sure, believed he was a prophet. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was... I have no doubt that these women were coerced. But, you know, where are the... We've talked about um, Sherry Jew and Wendy Nelson and, you know, where why can't they be voices for women? But Eliza Snow, maybe she was a brave woman to some extent, but she wasn't brave enough to say, I'm not doing that to my friend. Mm. I'm not... You know that I'm not going to, I'm not going to sneak around behind your wife number one, and yeah. marry you. She wasn't brave enough to do that, and I find that hugely problematic. Yeah, um, and to be honest, one of the things I found really difficult in church was the way women could—not all women, but the way women could treat each other. Um, and especially women that spoke out or were a bit different. Um, and I think some of the worst misogyny that is directed towards women is directed by other women, mm -hmm. not just mm -hmm. in the church, but out of the church too. Mm -hmm. I absolutely So agree. I really have issues with Eliza Snow. I just, 
I don't blame I, Emma for pushing her down. I, I, if indeed she did push her down the stairs, I don't yeah. blame her. Yeah, and we only know that story, you know, via the the church's narrative of it, don't we? It's it's never. Yeah. It's always controlled. The narrative's always controlled. I, I feel like I have the same tension with um, Eliza Snow as I do with Wendy and Sherry because I want to celebrate these women and how how they they carve out a place where they're previously not that they're yeah in Sherry's due Sherry's case there there's not been someone like her before um, but when you see other women not being empowered or, or that power being used to and make that place really feel like you're benefiting from this system but other women aren't and exactly sort of like like you're saying Eliza although she had all of these I, I don't even like her supporters I just I don't think her I, I just don't like it <laughs> but mm. I feel like her value her 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 contribution to the historical record is is unparalleled the problem for me is that she's propping up the power structures that are causing harm yeah but I think we see that in the modern church as well don't we with with your Wendy Nelsons and your Sherry Jews and I can't remember which presidency it was that were that were giving a fireside and they took basically were telling other women not to be shrill and I yes. just wanted to throw punches because you just think oh my goodness you are women telling women you are women telling women not to be shrill how it's just and the the, the Wendy Nelson when she's got a, a, an opportunity and a platform to actually speak she had a career she i'm sure has got some a sensible head on her shoulders but but it's all about signposting towards the the power structure the male power structure never about i've got thoughts i've got something interesting to say it's it's always pointing back to the profit the profit the profit mm -hmm. i just find it really disappointing and it all it does is massages those male egos and mm. models to other women in the church how to be submissive, how to be quiet, how to mm. not have a voice. You know, it's just it's just a little bit depressing. You see, the reality mm. is they would not have their position that they have if they didn't play the game of being the submissive, praising men. They yeah. wouldn't, have, wouldn't have the positions they've got, would they? So I get a bit frustrated when I think, yes, okay, you're in these positions, but you're only in these positions because you literally magnify the role that the church gives to women. Well, Debbie, which you, is not magnifying women, it's magnifying the role. Yes. Yeah. Right. Debbie, you mentioned, and while we were chatting before the show, you had mentioned something that really annoys you oh. about uh their the relationship their friendship could you maybe speak a little bit about about that for a moment because i think it's just so true well i mean i think though i don't i these were women who have had careers i think we, we talked about that earlier in their own right and i remember um when i'm sure wendy nelson spoke at a workshop in exeter ward years ago about um, 
parenting and family relationships and she was fantastic and I can still remember things she said I'm sure it was her um and Sherry Dew as well probably kept me in the church for longer because it gave me hope that as a fairly outspoken female that I could somehow survive and even thrive which wasn't actually how I was feeling at the time um and so she gave me hope and to see those women change over time um has I mean has actually been quite shocking to me um but one of the things um discovering that there's an ex-Mormon community and seeing comments about made about these women in the within the ex-Mormon community but also among believing Mormons as well um comments about their sexuality and that because they were friends and they shared a house they've of course got to have had a lesbian relationship and just that kind of not that there's anything wrong with having a lesbian relationship if they had but why is that up for discussion or as a to be weaponized against them you know so well if they did so what but if you've got something to say about these women keep it factual don't personalize it or I don't know it's just the whole language of misogyny and mm. actually homophobia mm. what we're illustrating here is there's a huge homophobia directed towards women who may experience same-sex attraction within you know LGBTQ plus women um and I find it absolutely I've been I've been really shocked actually to see that um do you know from it's, believing it's, members and others I think yeah, it's shocking it's one of the most common things that I have ever heard as a bisexual woman when it has been discussed one-to-one -one. you have someone's having a conversation and the subject comes up a little joke um with another woman about how oh you must really fancy me then and then we laugh it off because because it's so funny oh do you know how creepy it is yeah, <laughs> yeah sexualizing women's relationships and yeah. and friendships especially as women get older um, mm. um yeah please don't do that Okay, let's talk a little bit then about, because um, we've already been talking a little bit about sex tonight, we've been talking a lot about sex tonight, but it, it, it's one of the taboos, older women should not want to have sex, should not be sexual, how can we, um, could, Debbie, could you speak to how we can promote looking after the sexual health of women and particularly older women? Okay, well these are mainly my thoughts about it. Um, and from some of the reading that I've done um, and also from um, working in clinical practice, I think we need to really get to know our bodies. We need to get to know how our bodies work, um, what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. You know, we need to understand what our, my kids used to hate it when I call it this, our external genitalia are about the bits on the outside and the bits that are inside. Um, we need to look at our body because actually as we get older and the risk of things not working properly um, are manifest in our bodies. If we're looking at our bodies, we'll notice changes and we can report, you know, we can report them. Um, 
we can seek medical help. So I think some of it is becoming more knowledgeable. Um, buying, uh, reading books. This the Emily Nag. I can never say her name. Nagoski book is just fantastic. But there are other books as well that are just just great that help us to understand how our bodies work better. Um, so I think that they're really important things and also not see changes in our bodies as barriers to sexuality. Like I know for some, some women, the menopause, the perimenopause, that great unknown, um, are very difficult for some women, but actually they can be also really liberating. I mean, for goodness sake, you're not having a period anymore. What can't be good about that? Um, I was going to say you can't get pregnant, but I worked with um, a healthcare assistant. I was only about 20. I thought she was ancient, but she was about 52. So she was a young thing, but um, she thought she was in the menopause and then she got back pain and went to the GP and she was in labor and had a baby a few hours later. So make sure you're in the menopause before you go for reckless sex girls. Um, but um, yeah, seeing those those changes as opportunities to express yourself differently, to enjoy yourself differently and find ways of working with them. As you get older, you have less vaginal lubrication. So you might need to get out that tube of KY jelly um, to help you on your way. You might need to use, if you're not having regular sex, to, you know, oh, I, I was going to just reveal something about myself. And if one of my daughters decides to watch this later, I'll go, when just, I did learn just whisper, with people, then, if she won't hear, just whisper. When I did, I said something about <laughs> orgasms. <laughs> um, on PD's channel and my, my daughter listened later and she said, oh, I didn't need to know about your orgasm. <laughs> so anyway, so I'll try and be a bit more circumspect over that. But, um, but yeah, it may be that you need to buy yourself a vibrator and not only have fun with it, but dilate your vi vagina because if you need to go and have checkups, you need it to, to be a bit springy because otherwise it will hurt. Um, get keep touching your breasts. Um, when you're teaching all this stuff in the classroom. You actually find yourself touching yourself in front of the learners. When I've taught sessions about this, I find myself being a bit too um, too visual over it. Um, and I want to do that now. Like, it's one of the but, things that made the fun Jenkins so good as the that you were explaining. Uh, it was. Yeah, I, I was hearing how fantastic it was. Sorry, Sarah, <laughs> jump in. You're going to see. Sorry, something. Sarah. I, I think we need to go for a life art class at Sunstone so that yes. everybody could be incredibly comfortable with their bodies. We yes. need life Oh, that's a great idea. Okay, let's yeah, get that there. That I, is supposed life to be one of the things class. that they find that just, people that do life. Is it called life art, Sarah? See. Mm. Um, that they are actually mm. have think, a better is it life body or? image. Really? Mm. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, but yes, so okay. I think get to know yourself. And also, you know, that the, when you talk about accelerators and brakes to sexual desire, you know, it might be that you are really turned on by sexual images. Well, use sexual images when you get your vibrator out or 
when you want to touch yourself, you know, those things, they're, they're normal they're normal cues to sexual activity. Sex doesn't happen in a vacuum, I'm fairly certain. <laughs> but it, it may be some new fetish, sex in a vacuum. But, um, but yeah, yeah, get to know yourself, experiment, look at yourself, touch yourself. Yeah. One thing I guess I, I would add, because we, we are a sex-positive household, which is really difficult. I mean, Debbie, you know, I have a son who also hates the idea of his mother sharing things online. It's just not fun. However, um, we we are human beings. We we when when I when I'm speaking about things like this, it's because it's really important because there are consequences to not having these conversations. Um, I I, I have a. I, I have colleagues, I've known people who have had their, um, not just their sexual health, but their physical health for the rest of their life impacted because they wore temple garments as instructed yeah. um, that had huge consequences. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's about being healthy and yeah, it's not just for some other women over there, it's the mothers, it's the, you know, it's, it's older women, these kind of taboos are, are are really important to discuss. But one thing that that's sort of, you know I, I'll sort of talk about in our family is is around pornography use and and how what kind of images um, sh can and should be used. And while it's super simple to just go onto the internet and find whatever you like, you know have have a party on a Pornhub, we really need to be making sure that we are teaching consent. Um, while we're doing this because you know we want to be making sure that the images that we are viewing are, are safe for viewing that the you know that, that everyone is consenting um that i would also include that to say you know if, if you are effectively using a sex worker someone who is providing that that entertainment then you should be paying. You know they're, they're not doing this for free so that you can enjoy yourself online. You know that there is someone, a human being, who has a job to do, and so it's about us being responsible. I think is if, if that's something that that we are that we're looking at doing. I don't think all sexual um, or sensual images yeah. are pornography though are they like for Absolutely. example um, many women maybe many men too enjoyed pride and prejudice when um <laughs> mr darcy came mr. out the night with no shirt on now you know that was a very central image wasn't it um so i completely agree about the pornography thing and um pd actually said something which i thought was a really good point that pornography almost needs to have a red tractor mark attached to it so that you know that it's ethical pornography mm. now you could argue is there such a thing as ethical pornography um i don't know um but i think we should like you said jane we should certainly be having those conversations um i don't know how i feel about pornography but i do know that people it's an important part of some people's sexual life, sex life. And um, mm. 
And I certainly don't think, again, you should be talking to your bishop about using pornography. You should be getting advice from a healthcare worker, not the postman with the suit on on Sunday or the, the sales executive with the suit on on Sunday. Don't talk to them about sex. Just don't do it. And I think so, the challenge to a lot of women in their relationships when it comes to pornography is the, the stigma that's attached to viewing porn that, that the men have, you know, the fact that the church has set up this, this um, addiction recovery program, which is essentially aimed at people that use porn, and, and they consider you a, an, an addict if, if you've looked at it once a month or something like that. Mm. So it's hugely damaging to that man's psyche. And then also part of the shaming and the judging of the man in her, in her mm. relationship. Mm. Um, and so not only does she view, view porn as, as something awful, but that mm. makes him feel awful. And then it's not even a tool that could help them in their, in their relationship. So then she's not mm. even thinking about, well, why, why would he need to look at that? What could, you know, do we need to look at it together? Would, would that help? Mm. What do we need to do to make mm. a successful mm. um, relationship? I think for women um, as well, there's the, you know, visual pornography is, is one thing, and that's something that's very taboo at church. But a lot of women read um, sensual, shall we say, literature. Yeah. It doesn't have to be incredibly spicy even, but for a lot of women, that's the way into, you know, it, that's the way into um, sort of having the fantasy life that they need. Yeah. Um, but it goes under the radar at church because it yeah. isn't a dirty magazine yeah. or... Yeah. Know, uh, late night watching something on the, the internet it's it's a novel that she's had from the local library but mm, yeah but in, yeah. internally yeah. it's that yeah. shaming thing because actually I'm feeling aroused by this actually this is a little bit spice a little bit yeah. sexual yeah. and I know that I shouldn't be feeling that way because I'm a good Mormon mm. do, you, do you remember mm. a few years ago when all of the Mormon women were reading the Twilight books and the the and I mean it it was it was really my son had such a problem with how the young men were receiving messages about pornography while um their teachers were you know holding up images of 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 boys with their shirts off and it was just really disturbing to them. Um Sarah, you were gonna say something. I was just gonna go back to the pornography conversation, just so I think it's an episode in itself it really mm. is it's a hugely mm. complex issue yeah. at what age do we think pornography is okay what conversations are we having with our children and young people about pornography and the images that they're seeing how do we actually know yeah. that people in those pornography images want to be in them or that it's not the only choice mm. they have available yeah. to them to put food on the table it's a hugely complex issue and where do yeah. we think is okay pornography and not okay pornography or where mm. do we draw the line and it's, mm. it's really mm. complex mm. I, I, I think mm. it's it's really difficult because we know that around about what 50% of kids have seen pornography by the age of 11 before they've left mm. primary school mm. and they've watched pornography mm. and a lot of us would think that is far far too young and what are they looking at and how we are they making sense what they're yeah. looking at and and I think one of the mm -hmm. problems is that it, it's it's back again 
over and over again that we have said about the culture of church and we keep raising this in our safeguarding work the culture yeah. of church is not set up to have discussions about sex and sexual behavior in a really healthy way where we're talking about consent we're talking about decision making yeah. we're talking about what's healthy what isn't healthy yeah. and i think until we get those discussions right we're yeah. never going to get to the point where we understand that sex and sexual behavior is a lifelong thing it's not something that starts when you're yeah. 20 and stops when you're 50 it's yeah. something that is a lifelong yeah. thing yeah. and we're not having those discussions at church because yeah. we we are too hung up within the church environment of only wanting to have discussions about first of all what is right and wrong and we want to put everything mm. in it's either right or it's wrong and mm. the other category mm. that we're trying to go along is we teach in abstinence to our youth and our children not responsible decision making and mm. understanding what is healthy mm. at the well, we're almost causing them to tell lies aren't we yeah um, if you're going to if you're going to masturbation is such a normal thing from to the time children are very very small and yet you know if they're seen touching themselves they're told off about it and i think i think that's you if you if you've been brought up to believe that that is wrong i mean to be honest i didn't even know masturbation was a thing until you know i grew up in a generation where i don't think i knew what a lesbian was till i was about 20 you know some I, I was working with a district nurse when I was a student nurse and she pinched my bum and I thought that's a really weird thing to do for a woman to do to another woman I had no idea that it was I mean I how, how could I be an how, how could I be training to be a nurse and be so ignorant but I was because we didn't have those conversations and that was coming from a non-member home it was a societal thing um so you know that this idea that suddenly pe people become sexual um and that anything up until that point has to be hidden or lied about or castigated like you say sarah is so so unhealthy and shaming and makes people like fine girl has said feel bad about their bodies and what they're doing you know yeah we need to have these conversations about normal sexuality um and not i don't know that not not call things sin not call normal things sin um and not and stop these interviews as well where people are where children are being questioned mm. i don't think it ha i think it's, i think it's leadership roulette because in a ward we were in there was a bishop who was very inappropriate um but yeah we yeah we need we need to be talking about healthy sexuality not sin sex is not sin absolutely thank you so much i actually think that is a great note for us to work towards finishing out on so if it's okay if, if you don't have anything to say it's fine but i'm going to go around the group and if you've got any final thoughts that you would like to share um ruth have you got anything you'd like to share with us oh i love that to end on sex is not sin i think that's a brilliant way to to end and and as women i think it's it's empowering at, any, at every stage of our lives to own who we are 
and to relish who we are and, and the, the stage that we're at and the, the, the things that we're going through, but certainly not to be afraid of aging and to certainly enjoy you know, our bodies and, and enjoy using our bodies in whatever way we decide to use them um, and enjoy them. Absolutely. Uh, Queen Sarah, oh. any thoughts? I think, yeah, I think going out on that message that we should actually really be looking at healthy relationships, what's good for us, what's good for our bodies, get to know our bodies, lose the shame. We shouldn't be ashamed of our bodies. We shouldn't be ashamed of who we are. We shouldn't be ashamed of what we are. We can be bi women, we can be gay women, we could be whatever, and it's okay. We shouldn't be ashamed of it. And I think we need to lose the fear about talking about sexual behaviour and sexual development as women because it's kind of almost not a nice thing to do as women, is it, to talk about sex? Well, we need to lose that taboo. Absolutely. And we need to talk about sex. Debbie. And I think we also need to make it safe for women to talk about sex oh. so that you know that we're not being trolled when we do say something about sex as though we're 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 saying we're available for sex you know that that is not okay you know because we talk about it doesn't mean that we are making ourselves public property um i mean mine isn't so much to do with what we've spoken about but one of the colors i believe for international women's day is green for hope and i think it's so hopeful that we are able to have this discussion that we live in a country where we can have this discussion um where we can wear the clothes that we want to wear and that we can call out the systematic problems that make our lives as women unhealthy and risky as well so you know so I feel hopeful today that we've had this discussion and really, really grateful to you ladies for providing the forum that we can do so. You know, I, I want to see a special shout out to Fine Girl in the chat has been almost like the fifth member of our panel here because the things that you've been saying have been so, so good. Um, we really appreciate them. Um, I guess my final thoughts would be you know a message i guess to the individual women my mother um the woman who is beside me in the class the the person who's listening to this who um couldn't comfortably own your sexuality or thinks that there's something wrong with your body if it was just a little bit more like this then it would be better if i if i lost a little bit of weight we've been thinking these things our whole lives and at no point do we ever tend to think that actually who I am and how I am right now is so, so powerful? I feel like when women start stepping stepping into their sexuality, start stepping into their, their own bodies and who we are as people, women are unstoppable and we will be able to claim spaces um, for our own. We will be able to claim conversations. We will be able to, you know, shut down the creeps online who, who just feel like we are some type of property to be, to discuss our appearances. I think that we are at such an exciting time just now where 
the internet is working in a way that's bringing us all together that um I can speak to other Latter-day Saint women and women who have left the church and we can we can find these really exciting ideas and none of them none of them are, are about sinful behavior or shame or what we need to do better there are some things we need to do better I think in this this one case we need to own our bodies we need to know who we are we need to um have healthy attitudes towards our sexual health there are all sorts of benefits and my husky agrees so with that thank you so much for being with us tonight i really have appreciated this conversation i knew it was going to be fun um hopefully will you come back and talk with us debbie because i feel like i feel like we'll yeah. have more to talk about will you come back Oh, there's lots to say, isn't there? I completely agree with Sarah. It needs a whole episode, not just about pornography, but how women are de depicted in Mormon literature and um, things like the Leah Homer um, and in the wider society and how that impacts on us. But yes, I'd love to. I love speaking with you all. I'll have fabulous it's been a great night thank you so much um, i'm sorry we've got a little bit of audio crackling here as we head off but if we could ask um shout out to our pd free pd who has been locked in youtube jail for the next what i think it's what now 29 days um so send him your love while he's in jail he needs you um what else uh please like and subscribe to our content it really helps us get our work out there and uh, we'll let you know what we're up to next week and uh yeah we we bless all of your journeys uh, before we go actually that's something that we haven't been able to do debbie since we um since we first met um and i, I mean we've, we've, we've done you have been one of our greatest supporters and allies um sending us messages of support and encouragement and the work that you have done in this space is is fantastic um after you after you did your presentation at sunstone this year um i remember the rest of the group who had because i hadn't been able to get in to see it but the rest of the group who did see it were just were, were just beaming about it and uh, and and really really getting into the discussion and, and maybe i like to think it was because of because of that discussion i was able to um share with them as we all traveled home um, some really great advice that I had just learned before I left our hotel, which was um, Alana and I share a, share a room. Uh, and so we have a communal bathroom in this hotel. And I learned not to use deep heat rub for your back, muscle muscle rub, when you're going to change uh, your 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 moon cup your your menstrual cup um you really want to get under the fingernails before you change that and uh, so i i um let the guys know that that was my life advice and as they were asking me to explain I was trying to explain like it's a little bit like getting a prostate exam if the doctor looked up with muscle relaxing and anyway all of that with with my friends and the world because Debbie helped us to have a confidence about these types of conversations. Um, <laughs> it's not just about that's important advice there, Jay. 
you're welcome. It's not copyrighted. Feel free to tell others. But seriously, you've been able to help us have conversations um, that have been fun and so interesting. PD, when he finds out, uh, you know what, maybe maybe we can save it for the next episode, ha the, the size of a clitoris. He was amazed. That, that was revelatory information to him. So, Debbie, you know, you're, you're funny, you're powerful, you're wonderful, and the person that you've become. And this is it. That's the size of your clip. Well, mass or menos. Right. So, it, so and, there, and there it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> your hand, ladies, your hand. So, and so PD was like, but where, where does it all, where, <laughs> how? How is this possible? Uh, because yeah. you see him with the mouse on the screen with the picture of the clitoris and he had the mouse on the screen and he's pointing to where the clitoris is. It was just epic, really. I mean, at the time, I didn't think it was funny because I was so in the zone, but it was pretty funny. Well, it, it was brilliant. He was he was so fascinated it literally blew his mind um so and when i say literally i mean you know symbolically <laughs> anyway what i wanted to tell you was um not only do you do this with humor and grace but since you've left the church and and being able to step into that power being able to show people what it's like um and what the possibilities are is it's just something that I've been really inspired by. I know Sarah is too. Our Alana has been a Thank huge you. fan. Um, and so we want to bless your journey. Um, you are amazing and inspirational. And we are so excited that we'll be able to continue this conversation um, at, at a later date. So thanks again to our audience. We will be back here next Thank week you. at the earlier time of eight o'clock. Um, if you need us in the meantime, uh, I will... Yeah reach out and message online. We'll catch you later. Night.